Okay, so we're going to learn a letter that the Rebbe sent the 11th of Nisan, um, 1965, Tashin Chafei, addressed to the sons and daughters of Israel, all the Jewish people. And it's a very, very fascinating letter. Um, it really um, tells us a lot about uh, who we are and what our life is about. Let's go right to it. Baruch Hashem Brooklyn, York, to the sons and daughters of Israel, wherever they are, God bless you all. Greetings and blessings. God set the time for the exodus from Egypt to be in the springtime. And the Torah commands us to take, uh, to make sure that Passover will always fall out in the springtime. As it says in the Torah, guard the month of the springtime and make the holiday of Pesach for Hashem your God, because in the month of the spring, God redeemed you from Egypt at night. So that's important to do every year to make sure that Passover is in the springtime. But in order to assure that Passover will be in the springtime, our calendar is set according to the moon. So the lunar calendar is an 11 day difference. It's 11 days shorter than the solar calendar. It's 354 days, not 365. So in order to attune our calendar, to sync our calendar to the solar calendar so that Passover will always be in the springtime, every few years, two or three years, we have an additional month, like this year, the month of Adar, extra Adar, so that the lunar calendar and the solar calendar and are synced, and the holiday of Passover always falls out in the springtime. And as a result of this, all the months of the year and all the holidays are set in their exact time based upon this. So it almost seems to me that Hashem is saying, as long as this Passover is in the springtime, you could figure it out after that. This is the center of the calendar. I want you to think about time based upon the fact that Passover is in the springtime. I want to see how this idea of Passover being in the spring is so central to who we are and where we're going. The fact that Passover, the exodus from Egypt, happened in the spring is explained by our sages as a special kindness by God. God took us out of Egypt in the most successful time of the year. In the best time, it's not too hot, not too cold. The Talmud says God took out the imprisoned ones in a kosher month, in a month that's not too hot, not too cold, month of spring. But, the Rebbe continues, everything in Torah, has also within it hints and explanations, instructions for the Jewish people as a whole and for every individual. So one of the points that Rebbe says that I want to highlight will become clear, will be clarified after meditating into the conditions in which the exodus happened. Thinking about the conditions, the circumstances in which the exodus happened, We'll be able to better understand the um, the meaning of Passover being the springtime, the deeper reason. For hundreds, hundreds of years, the Jewish people were enslaved to a nation that ruled over oh, Shemalechem. Hundreds of years, Jewish people, centuries, the Jewish people were, were being ruled by a nation that ruled over the entire region, the entire world. Um, 
as the Rebbe writes in the notes, the Mechilta says that Pari was the king of the entire world. And not only was Pari um, superior to the other nations with, its, with his uh, military might, with his soldiers, with his chariots, but also Pari was um, a lot more advanced, both in culture and in development, period. The, the culture and the development of Egypt was based on the powers and the phenomena of nature. Especially, it was predicated on the Nile River. Egypt is a barren land. They don't have almost any rain. And however, the, the uh, innovation of mankind created this irrigation system that transformed Egypt to become a blossoming garden surrounding, surrounded by desert. So their culture, their development was all based upon the, uh, uh, the, the powers of nature and specifically the Nile River and the man harnessing the Nile River to transform Egypt to being what it was, a beautiful garden instead of what it would have been had man not harnessed the power of the Nile River would have been a, a uh, desert. So the conditions, the circumstances these in, in Egypt uh, created a idolatrous um, society, which had two fundamental um, elements. First of all, they deified the powers of nature, number one. And number two, they deified the powers of man that was able to harness the powers of nature. From these two fundamental uh, mistakes, there was but a small step to deifying the Pharaoh himself, who embodied for the, Jew for the Egyptians, the perfect man. They deified the Pharaoh, they deified the um, Nile, the, uh, they, they deified the powers of nature, they deified the power of man that harnessed the powers of nature. So the Pharaoh who was the perfect man is therefore to them a, a God. It was, it was very natural for them to, to them, for them to deify him, considering the fact that they, they, they worship nature and they worship man's power in harnessing the forces of nature. So therefore the Pharaoh is, is God. So this perspective that sees the world as a composite of many forces of nature, that's what the world is. There are many, uh, many forces of nature that make the world be what the world is. Among those forces are the power of man, Add to that their philosophy that it is my strength and the power of my hand that will make me successful. That brought to a spiritual descent, an ethical descent, an abysmal descent, until they were able to justify um, really, uh, cruelly, uh, abominably um, doing acts of abominable, abominable cruelty to man and to a weaker nation. So, so, so in other words, I, what I'm getting over here is they worship the power of man. That's, that's what to them in their, their yardstick, that's good. Goodness is power. Goodness is, that's what's good. So if you're weak, you're bad, you're inferior. So whoever is stronger is better. And if you're not stronger, you're, you're not, you're less, um, you're, you're less than, you're inferior. So whoever is stronger rules and you're allowed to destroy anyone who is weaker than you because, because you who are stronger 
are are uh, better. That's what their perspective was. So the ruling and cruelly hurting those weaker than them was was went hand in hand with their perspective of deifying the powers of man and deifying powers of nature. In other words, it's a little bit more than social Darwinism, survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest is just whoever is, uh, nature is, uh, man's power was what will get you there and our strength will get you there. They deified the power of man. So, so that means if you're not if you're not powerful, you are bad. You're 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 low. You're um, you're inferior and deserve to be to be attacked. Um, I was I'm just thinking there could be an atheistic perspective, which is very similar. It's man's power, and that that, that leads to a social Darwinistic perspective. Like, but they they, they were more. They they weren't just. Denying that they deify the powers of man, they deify the powers of nature. So, for them, this this um, this leads right into this cruel behavior they had, this abominable behavior towards the Jewish people and towards other people that were weaker than them. Okay, this deifying, this 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 empty empty faith that they had um, reached its fullest expression in the period of the year the annual rejuvenation of the powers of nature in the month of the spring. The month of the spring is when there's an annual renewal of the powers of nature. And since the Egyptians worship nature, nature, so when is there a full expression of their idolatry? When do they fully um, uh, bow, if you will, to the powers of nature in the month of the spring? And that is why the, the Egyptians worship the sheep, because the month of the spring is associated with the zodiac, the mazel of the sheep. So the sheep was the uh, fundamental idolatry of the Egypt. That was their basic idolatry. Why? Because since the they worship nature, and when is nature in its full expression? In the muzzle of the sheep. Therefore, they worship the sheep. That's those. These are the circumstances. They obviously, my understanding, the circumstances that the exodus took place. We'll understand more why God, why it's so important for the Passover to be in the springtime. So here comes Meishu Rabbeinu, and Meishu Rabbeinu has the following in his mouth. God says, I've remembered you. The time has come that it, is, it, is, it has become the will of God. God has, it has arisen in God's desire, the God of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, to free the children of Israel from the Pharaoh, from the exile. 210 years have already passed from the moment the Jewish people were under the jurisdiction of, of the Pharaoh. Many Jews have already assimilated into the culture, Egyptian culture. There's no expectancy of any help from any nations around them. No slave has yet, till then, till that moment, been freed from Egypt. Therefore, there's no chance, looking at it from a, just a natural perspective, for the Jewish people to be freed from Egypt. And despite this, Moses comes, Meshavinu comes, and he tells them, the time for your freedom has arrived. There's only one condition to be free. The condition is draw yourself and take for yourself a sheep for your families and slaughter the Paschal lamb. What, is, what do those words mean? So here's the setting. Here the setting again is Meshavinuk enters into this, into the Jewish people's uh, circumstances of life. They're living there for hundreds of years. There's no chance they're ever going to be freed. They're living in a culture that worships nature, and there's no natural way they're ever going to get out of this place. And yet, Meishu tells them, 
time is for freedom has come. All you need to do is slaughter the carbon pesach. And Moshe Rabbeinu uses two words. He says, draw and take. So the sage, our sages explain, the Talmud explains, draw yourself away from the idols of the earth. Take for yourself a sheep. Imagine this. This guy is in a room who he can't get out of the room. And he um, bangs his head against the wall. He bangs his hands against the wall. He bangs his feet against the wall. He can't get out of the wall. can't get out of the room. He realizes he's, he's stuck in this room forever. He's going to die in this room. His life depends on this. So what's he going to do? So he, he, he does one last ditch effort. And he slams, he runs against, he, he runs into the wall and he falls down on the floor and he looks up and he sees that on the door handle, it says, pull. So this is uh, very in sync with the instruction of Mesha Rabbeinu, draw yourself, draw to yourself. What is, what is Mesha saying? Draw yourself away from the idols of the earth. Take for yourself the sheep, which, would be, which the Egyptian worship. And Slaughter it as a sacrifice for Hashem. It's not sufficient, Moshe says, to deny the idolatry of the Egyptians in your heart. It's not enough that you say in your heart, I don't subscribe to their belief. It's not enough in your home, quietly and modestly, without no one seeing that you disavow the Egyptian deities. Rather, Moshe tells them in public, without any fear, according to all the details that the Torah tells us with the Paschal Lamb, got to do everything according to detail, in public. And then Moshe promises them in the name of God, not only will you be freed from Egypt, but even Pari himself will command that you be free. He'll command you to leave Egypt. The redemption will not be in a period where the powers of nature are dormant and hidden. Rather, in the month of the spring, in the month when nature shows its greatest power. By doing this, there is the fact that there aren't two separate worlds is highlighted. It's not that there is the world of nature and the forces of nature and the, and the world of the supernatural and these worlds fight with each other. And one, sometimes one world wins, sometimes the other world wins. There's only one, one solitary God who is the only ruler of the world. And in him, the whole world is united. So there aren't two different worlds. By the redemption happening in the spring, that highlighted this truth that there aren't two separate worlds. I was thinking about the uh, previous service exchange with the KGB officer who put the pistol to his head and said to him that this toy is a way, may, way of making people speak. And the previous service responded that that toy can only frighten someone who only has one world and many gods. But to me, who I have one uh, God and two worlds, this toy doesn't frighten me. And Rabbi Elkanal Vashom always asked, why did the previous have to emphasize the fact that there is, that he believes in one God? The fact he believes in two worlds is relevant because if there's only one world, so then the, the pistol is supreme. But why do you have to emphasize that there's one God, not more than one God? What he was saying was, was that if you believe in more than one God, so then there's a time you're in the hands of the good God, times the hand, your hand of the bad God, time your hand in the hand of the forces of nature, times that the, the supernatural is victorious. And so now that he's in the office, the KGB officer, he is now stuck in the hands of the bad God. So the previous episode said, I don't believe in two gods. There's only, there is only one God. And therefore, in other words, the same God that we're going to be connected and see 
uh, when Mashiach comes in the Beis Hamikdash, after we're going to experience revelation of Hashem in the Beis Hamikdash, that same God is also in the office of the KGB officer. There aren't two different gods. That's the reason that God made the Passover. Um, it's so important to our calendar that Passover being the springtime, because the spring is a time when the forces of nature are so uh, rejuvenated, and by making our redemption to be in the springtime. This the, the fact that there aren't two separate worlds that fight with each other is highlighted. We could see that the redemption is happening in the time when the spring is in full bloom. This um, recognition came to its full expression when we got the Torah, what, which was the goal, which was the destination of the Exodus. What did God begin the, the giving the Torah with? I am Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. You shall not have any other gods. In other words, the point of God redeeming us in the spring was in order that, in order that we, should be, we should have this clear conviction that there are no other gods. There aren't two different worlds. All there is is Hashem. Okay, so that's, that's the uh, reason why it's so critical that Passover in the springtime, because by Passover being the springtime, we, we, we express this holistic perspective that there aren't, there's no dissonance, there's no schism. I think his name was Herbert Wiener. He wrote a, a book called Nine and a Half Mystics. In the book, he writes about his exchange with the Rebbe. He, um, he visits the Rebbe, and the Rebbe um, says to him, he tells the Rebbe, I see that your followers have this naive look in their eyes. And Rebbe responded, what you don't see in their eyes is a schism, a kera, a rift, a separation, a rip. Ever said it looks like you have a hard time sleeping at night because you live trying to live into a world, trying to shout out to a world, trying to be, you know, in the world of faith, in the world of journalism, whatever he was involved in, and and that makes it hard for him to sleep at night. So what you what you're seeing in my, the the naive perspective you're looking in, in seeing the, my followers, the actual you're seeing is, is something that's whole, it's holistic. They they, they aren't trying to shout out to worlds. They believe in in, in the same Abishter, same God who is in the world of the supernatural, he is the one who controls everything that's going on in the world and nothing is really natural, everything is by God's hand. So that's that's the theme of, of Passover, Passover happening in the springtime. Okay, as in Egypt in the past, so too in the present, there are some people that base their lives on deifying the so-called forces of nature. And they also add, it's the strength of my hand, the power of man that makes things happen. There are others, that have this uh, invention of saying the following. They say, at home, we have a place for God. But when we're among society, we're like everybody else. Let us be like the Gentiles or let's be more goy than the goy. That's how they feel. They feel the power of nature is, 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 is supreme. And therefore, our strength and the power of our hand will make things happen. And yes, and some of them say, yeah, okay, we'll be Jewish at home. But in the street, in society, we have to, um, we have to be like the Gentiles, or more the Gentiles than Gentiles. Comes the holiday of Passover and reminds us once again, God tells the Jewish people, I have remembered you. You have, don't have a choice. God remembers you. And he obligates you to say, to, he obligates you to draw yourself away, to draw yourself away from the idolatry of the world and any kind of expression that this idolatry has and do this in public, without any fear and with courage. That's what God says. I've remembered you. You're going to leave Egypt. There's not, nothing to talk about. 
draw yourself away from the idolatry. Draw yourself away from any expression of idolatry. In other words, draw yourself away from ascribing any power to anything else other than Hashem. And what should you do instead? Take, take yourself. Take yourself, or more accurately, take to yourself. What does that mean? Take yourself and everything that belongs to you and all of your possibilities and all of your strengths. Take that to your essence. Take it to your true Jewish and eternal I. In other words, what this means to me is that we have so many voices in our heads. The question is, can we differentiate between the noise and our real voice of our nisham? Take yourself to yourself. Take all the things that are going on in your life, all the opportunities that you have, all the possibilities that you have, all of the strengths that you have, everything that you're looking at that is a thing. Take that and, and analyze that based on your true eye. Let, let your neshama be the center of your life. Let, instead of looking at all these things from the, with an idolatrous perspective, they have some kind of power on their own, take your whole being and bring it to yourself, bring it to your true Jewish eternal eye and, and listen to how your neshama looks at things. That's, that's what I was saying before about pull, not push. Pull yourself into yourself. You're, you're trying, you're trying, you think that, okay, I know what the problem is. I'm only, only working nine to five. If I were to work nine to, nine to six, things would be better. Eight to, eight to seven, would be things would be better. Seven to seven, seven to nine. It's pushing. Instead of pushing, pull. Pull yourself into yourself. Realize, listen to what your neshama says. Don't, don't listen to this, uh, to the, all the idolatrous uh, perspectives over here. Don't, don't, don't try to analyze things based upon what nature says, what people say. Go, bring it all, take you take your you and bring it to your essence, to your true, to your true I. All this you should do once you do all this. And this is in the, in the springtime. What's in the springtime? People make a mistake and think the world is blaspheming. In the center of the world, there's man. And this is your God. Your God is man. Man is what does stuff. You are enslaved to, to man and there's no room for God. That's what. That's the world is telling you. Man is successful. The world is blossoming. It's a power of man that makes it happen. There's no room for God. The only thing that makes things happen is, is, the, is, the, is the idolatry. So, so, so the Torah tells us in the month of the spring, on the contrary, in that very month of the spring where it looks like there's so many th- other things happening, all their all the, all the forces and God has no room, no room for God in that place. At that, in that time, in the month of the spring, the Torah tells us God took you out of Egypt. The world, the blossoming world, and all the wonders that you see in the world bring you to have a clearer, to a clearer view of the truth. In the language of our sages, Hashem, our God, is the king of the world, and there's nothing missing in his world. It was instead of looking at the world, the blossoming world, there's some other force out there, opposite. You look at the world and you feel, ah, this is the Abishar's world. This is the wonderful world of Hashem, therefore there's nothing missing here. That's what the the, the, so the month of the spring is not a time of, of confusion that there's some other force out there. And that's what that's what's blossoming. On the contrary, the month of the spring grants us this clear vision into the truth that everything that's going on in the world is from Hashem. And he is the one who's created this magnificent world with nothing missing in it. Never concludes, may Hashem help and give success that Pesach, the time of our freedom, to bring every single one of us among all the, all the Jewish people to true freedom from all disturbances and limitations to serve God with a full heart. And from our personal redemption, this should bring the redemption of all the Jewish people, the true and complete Ulta Mashiach, 
with speedily in our days, the bracha for a kosher and joyous Passover and the Rebbe's signature. So Reb Chaim Peretz, what, what's... Amazing. It's a mind much amazing. Yeah, what, because it really... Um, I mean, political. Obvious its implications. People who deify nature and use that as their way of controlling men, just the opposite of what we need to do. Right. That's what's so prevalent today. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I think that that Putin and all these it's yeah. it's 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 a. Uh, I'm I'm stronger and therefore I I can. Either that or other trade, do what I say. Oh. You know, or what or all the other. Yeah. All the other systems, cancel society. Nature, you know, yeah, crazy stuff. But but I think besides looking at others, like forget about others. We don't, we don't have to disturb the whole world. Look at ourselves. Like you know, there's there's times that yeah, I'm davening, I'm learning, and there is like when I when I go back into myself, am I frightened or do I listen to my real eye? So, All right, let me go off recording. Have a great day. Good yontif.